Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of a Lucid Life podcast. This is episode 10. I know it's taken a minute for us to get to this point. Uh, I've been having to edit other things for different content that I'm doing, and it just took a little bit longer than I was expecting it to. But we're back, and uh, my guest today is a fellow Lucid Dreamer. He is an astral projectionist. Uh, he is an author, a multi-time author, actually. His name is Ian Jaded. Uh, he is a fellow member of the Lucid Hive, which is something that obviously I've uh, I've had a few guests from the Lucid Hive on the podcast before, uh, them being Rachel, Lana, Jennifer. So he is a member of the Lucid Hive, which means he is very, very experienced in this field. His books are titled Migration, Maintaining Consciousness on the Journey from a Physical to a Digital Landscape, and uh, Tripping the Field, an Existential Crisis of Ungodly Proportions, which I love that fucking title, uh, and I told him as much. Uh, but yeah, he's a really interesting dude. I really enjoyed talking to him, and uh, I'm, a, I'm a fan of this episode, so I hope you will be also. If you want to follow Ian, you can uh, check him out over at ianjaded.com. That's I-A-N-J-A-D-E-D. J-A-Y-D-I-D. Uh, you can also check him out on Twitter. It's uh, ianjaded at Twitter. Ian Jaded on YouTube, Ian Jaded on Facebook. Uh, yeah, so if you want to check them out, you can go there. If you want to follow me, you can check me out on Instagram at sleeps through earthquakes because uh, that's that's what I do. I sleep through earthquakes. So, uh, and a final note: if you would like to support me or the podcast or any of my other creative endeavors like uh, gaming or the novel that I'm writing, feel free to check out my Patreon, which is Patreon.com/slash/NoSpoilersLucidLife. Uh, there you get exclusive content, early access to everything I do on my gaming channel, which is very comedy-based, early access to the podcast, including video access to each episode I do, uh, and exclusive stuff that I do there. So that being said, let's get into the episode with Ian Jaded. What's up, man? How are you? I'm doing good. Um, I'm not gonna Nice lie. to meet you, by the way. <laughs> nice to meet you. Yeah, this is our first formal introduction. So, it is, yeah. yes. It's a pleasure. Um, yes. Um, but we met, for those that don't know you, you are a member of the Lucid Hive, the very, very prominent, very, very special, very, very awesome uh, Lucid Hive. And that's actually where I got my first introduction of you was that, from what I remember, you and Lana, who was also a guest uh, earlier on, you guys were planning some sort of like Lucid multi-day event or something before quarantine? Before yeah, uh, somebody backed out. I don't remember the details and I was going to fill in because we had, and we had just met like fairly recently and I don't even remember how she and I got connected. We got connected through somebody else and it was just free. It was freakish that she just like, I'm like, Oh, you live in Boulder. Right. Uh, and I, that's where I met. So we're both in Colorado. We're, you know, and now actually she lives even closer and then COVID hit. So we met right before COVID, we actually hung out and had some coffee with a couple other yes. people who are in the same field, like people who are fairly, you know, fairly prominent in the field as well. And then we had this whole thing like, yeah, we're going to start doing things together. And then yeah, there was COVID hit and you're just like, I haven't done anything. I had, I had so many things shut down. I had book signings. I was going to do, there was all, there was going to be meetings and all sorts of things. And I was going to start doing more public talks. And it was like, everything got shut down right when things for me were starting to kind of go a little bit like, Oh, great. Now I can kind of, I got my name out there. I'm starting to do some things. I got a couple of books and uh, yeah, right out the window. now everything's been just totally shut down. So yeah, I'm doing a video show. I'm starting to do videos now. So, but that, and that's been actually really fun. So I'm starting to do more of like what you're doing. I'm starting to do my own shows. And so it's been fine. You know, it's all just 
you have to adapt, right? Yeah. You got to adapt. The world is a very weird and mysterious place. And it's kind of interesting how the universe can kind of work for you in that kind of sense, you know, putting all these different pieces together that it does. Seems it always like, does. Uh, as much as you hate it, you're just like, that's not the way I wanted it to go. Yeah, that's not the yeah. way I was planning. And I'm pissed off every time yeah. this crap happens. And then at the end, I'm like, yeah, okay. I learned something. Damn it. This resistance to fucking. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So tell me about this, you, this thing you're doing, what, I've not watched your other stuff. That's not true. I did watch the thing with Lana. Pardon me. I did watch some of that. Uh, but so what? What? Uh, what are we doing here? So basically, my whole thing, uh, a lucid life, is its foundation is obviously rooted in lucid dreaming and you know that whole field and everything. Right. But my personal take on the whole thing is I look at it more as like a a topic of consciousness. Um, my yes. whole thing is I am very into the topic of consciousness i love where consciousness can go from from the dark to the light and back and forth and all the places in between and i'm a believer that our consciousness can change over time and evolve based on certain experiences and certain things that you go through in your life whether that be for me it was lucid dreaming whether that's psychedelics whether that's addiction recovery that whole thing okay so i really like to talk to people about what experiences they have that have altered their consciousness either for good or for bad so i've had a, a wide not wide i've had like nine episodes so far but i've had okay. people that were on from addiction that i knew in my addiction days and recovery i've had obviously lucid dreamers and astral projectionists what um, were you addicted to if you don't mind me asking if you don't want to talk about it it's fine but what this fucking interview is over, dude. You know what? Screw this. No, um, <laughs> I'm a very open book. Whatever questions you got for me, feel free. Um, meth. Meth was my drug of choice. Never done um, meth. I've done everything. I've done everything. I've never done meth. Like it was kind of like my thing for all. Like I'm going to try. try it, dude. I'm going to try it. Hey, yeah, you can't have done everything. You everything. tried meth. Get out there. Never tried it. Never tried meth. Uh, never had meth, any methamphetamines, not at all. But I've done, done just about everything. Well, you know what? I've never done technically i've never done heroin like but and I, I mean in terms of technically i've done every version of a, every other version of heroin like opiates i was addicted to opiates for years and years i yeah. took ibogaine took ibogaine years ago to oh. help me get off of to help okay. me get off of yeah so that was yeah i studied ibogaine for years and i took that i dosed myself i did the research I shouldn't have done that. It was very, it was very bad. It was rough. It was a rough trip. It was are you familiar with, uh, are you familiar with Aubrey Marcus? Boy, that name sounds familiar. Joe Rogan, Aubrey Marcus on it. Okay, that's pro- I probably what, if he was on an, a Joe Rogan show talking about psychedelics, I probably saw it, but the name gone. Yeah. yeah, the, yeah. He, he's talked a few times on, on Joe Rogan and, you know, by himself, obviously, but he is the one that actually put me onto the whole Ibogaine thing. So when you tell me that you've done Ibogaine, yes. that raises a whole mess of questions about what type <laughs> of thing you experience. I heard yeah. it's like a, it's like a 24 hour, just insane, fucking painful experience. It was, terrible. it was terrible. I mean, it was awful. It was really unpleasant. It was right, really I, unpleasant. And I took too much. I think I took too much too, because they I, you here? I were you in the these, States or were you over overseas? I'm here, no, I, I did this myself here in Boulder. I got, I got what I needed sent to me. I talked to the people. I talked to a, a, a foundation in Africa that sent it to me from a place in Africa. And they're apparently experts in this. And I'd been studying it. I'd been, I was writing about it. I was working for a company. A guy did a, an, a, a documentary, the first documentary that's been done on Ibogaine, pardon me. And I can't think of the name of that documentary, but it's like the first thing that anybody ever actually tried to put to film. Hmm. And so I contacted the guy said, Hey, I'm a writer. I've got a background in this. I'm curious about this. 
I've got a problem with opiates. I was specifically on opium tea. I was making tea out of poppy pods. Wow. And that, that was just wonderful. I mean, I guess I was on that for a long time and it was cheap back in the day. Like you could get boxes of this stuff for nothing. And uh, anyway, I started writing for this guy and the guy still has a website and it was just volunteer work. And I did that for years. So I kind of had this idea, like, I know what I'm doing and I've done, you know, I've done LSD, I've done mescaline, I can handle it, you know, all that sort of shit. And I couldn't, I mean, I, I handled it. I got through, but it was right. rough. It was real rough. And I think they gave me too much. I think what they gave me was like, they gave it, they gave me a dose that I think was really more for like someone who had been on heroin and heroin is such a concentrated, I mean, that is just pure morphine, you know, that's yeah. just pure morphine and codeine or whatever the, you know, whatever the actual constituents gets uh, pulled out of the, uh, out of the poppy. But I was on opium tea, which is much more, you know, it wasn't quite as intense, but more mild and it was much more mild, but because it wasn't filtered out, you're, I was getting a larger spectrum of opiates like you have the largest there's all there's like four different components in opium that act on the body and so when you're on heroin it's like it's kind of a catch-22 and when you're on heroin apparently you're really just addicted very specifically to a couple very specific constituents but on opium you you have it's lighter and yeah like you said like you know it's more watered down but it's i was addicted to a wider spectrum of of drugs is what it was so so, so uh, to put it so to yeah. explain it for people that are little bit uh that haven't had the experience is almost like like i'm looking at it almost like it's a pie chart so in for heroin mm -hmm. you're getting a couple of different things the pie is put all the way to the max whereas opium the pie right. is more spread out widely it is yeah and so i did a combination of ibogaine and iboga which is just the just you know the, the you know the natural the you natural did both, wait, at right? the same so, time well i did so at the same time so what i did is Shit. i did the, i started the iboga first and i probably should have just did iboga which is for those who don't are we recording we're recording right I'm yeah we're, 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 okay, on, that's we're fine. On. cool i'm just making sure that we're not just wasting time here <laughs> yeah that was uh that was just the root i mean just the ground up root and they you take that first to make sure you don't have some violent like an allergic reaction or something like that. So that's what I did at first. And then uh, I waited for a couple hours just to make sure that that was kind of settling in with me. Okay. And then I did the concentrate. I did like a lot of ibogaine after that. That was rough. That was a rough night. That was not pleasant. I would not do that again. If I don't know what it would take for me to do something like that again, it was not a million recreational. Sure. I mean, I guess. Yeah, yeah I guess. Everybody's I got mean, a price. Sure. Yeah. Right. Everyone's got a price. Like, sure. I guess of a million dollars, I suppose. But it all was. Right, rough. So, if anybody yeah, wants to see Ian take Ibogaine and, and all that, just one million dollars is my price. Right on, That's my level. <laughs> That's what it is. So, it how long ago for, was that? Oh, uh, let's see here. Maybe seven, eight years ago. Okay. Somewhere around there. It's been a while. It's been okay. a while. And uh, it, I mean, you know what it did? It was supposed to do. It really changed my relationship. With opiates though i mean it really yeah. did it like you know that's it was a huge thing it really changed my relationship and speaking of lucid dreaming it kicks in lucid dreams so i had like really intense lucid dreams for like three days after that and of course i already had an ex i had a background with lucid dreaming already so it was one of those things that i just fell right into it was real easy to just go oh okay this is what's going on it's, mm. it's just a weird it's a common side effect uh, and I think it has a lot to do with that. You sleep weird for a few days afterwards. Like you're like high for days. Like, yeah. it's kind of strange. And it, it's like, it puts you into a state. It changes you. It does. I swear. I still feel like that stuff is in me 
to this day there's like something that does to you at a some molecular level i don't know what i mean it, does. it, it makes sense in a way though because it alters your consciousness so it's like it does it changes you and it's such an intense experience that how could it not stay with you in some form or another i can still time. remember it just like it happened the other day it's really yeah. it's real intense so yeah but not fun. I mean, you're just puking. You were just like, you're so not, I was so nauseous. And the worst thing that the, the thing that freaked me out about the experience the most was it robs you of your energy. The first thing that does it, like it takes all your energy out. And when I heard that, when I read that, I didn't really know what that meant. I couldn't picture it because I never had this happen before, but it's like, it's like all your muscles kind of go limp and I couldn't really get out of bed. It was like my body weighed 300 pounds or something like that. It was weird. It was so weird. And if you, you have to pretty much do this in the dark, I put on a face mask and I did it in a, in a darkened room is where I stayed for like 17, 18, maybe 20 hours. I don't remember how long I stayed in my room, but I shut all the blinds. If you turn your head too fast and there's light, it's like everything becomes this swirling mass of like nauseous streams of light and color. It's like you're, it's like seasickness times a hundred. It's, mm. it's weird. It's a weird sensation and, uh, and you're, and you're tripping on top of it. So it's, whew, yeah, I don't, <laughs> it's like giving me chills just thinking about it. It's, it was so unpleasant. When you did it, was your yeah. intention specifically because you wanted to get off of the, the opium or yes. was it? Okay. Yes. Yeah, that was the plan. Like I, I wouldn't have done it recreationally. I knew it was going to be kind of rough. I didn't know really know what I was in for because you know you never really know with each, each hallucinogen has its own personality. Yeah. And uh, uh, I tell you, if I did it again, I would just do iboga. Like I said, I would just do that. Uh, and if you know, if I was doing it just for not recreational purpose, but but if I was just trying to like do some kind of cleansing or a healing, I would just do Iboga. I would not go to Ibogaine if I did that. And I, I, my guess is that I would have probably a very different experience, but because I was trying to get off of, you know, such a strong opiate, you know, it was like, you know, pure opium and I was drinking it, you know? Yeah. So it's like, that was, uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. so gnarly. I was, uh, and I was taking a lot, like I said, I could get so much of it back in the day. You could just get like 25 pound boxes of poppy pods off of eBay for nothing for like a hundred bucks. And so it was like a cheap addiction. I was just like, Oh, this is, I can afford this. <laughs> so, this is the tea. This yeah. is nice. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's it's. I always hear stories from people like obviously you just told us that, and I've heard Joe Rogan has mentioned before that he used to be able to get DMT off of like the internet as well. Yes. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just like, crazy that, that crazy. It's yeah. just crazy. It just makes me so sad that I, that we're grown up or we're grown up that we're currently living in this era where it's looks so down upon at this moment, and obviously things are starting to slowly change. You know, yeah. like in Oregon and uh, I think Washington even has started to. De at least decriminalize psychedelics at least mushrooms um, yeah that's what they did in, in uh, i don't know if it's all of colorado or if it's in the the denver area something changed yeah, denver, yeah. us too where we it's we they've decriminalized it which is fine i yeah, don't, I don't really need i don't i never needed marijuana legalized i mean we all had access to it well i did i mean there was always access yeah it's just like stop putting people in jail for this stuff my god yeah. like yeah. that's the that's the trick anyway so, maybe we should talk about some lucid dreaming <laughs> yeah i mean i'm down to like i'm down to go through the whole ringer with you man because okay. obviously I, now that i know that i know that you have a tremendous amount of life experience and that's one of the things that that's one of the big things that i want this and that i believe this podcast can be about is because i know there's a lot of people out there that 
might be going through some shit or they're looking to expand their borders or they're looking, they feel like lost in their sense of direction. And they don't know that there's these other things that you can do with your life to yes. really broaden and expand who you are as a human being. So I love talking to people that have, you know, in acting, they called it colors. Like you have to have a whole color palette to who you are to be able to make a character come alive. So yeah. I like talking to humans that have different colors to their personality and have gone through different things. So I'm down to go through anything that comes up. We'll just take it organically, obviously, but. Yep. So cool. Yeah. Um, lucid dreaming and meditation. I mean, I, I believe that if I hadn't learned how to meditate, I learned how to meditate at a pretty young age. I was lucky on, on that realm. And then when the lucid dreaming kicked in, man, I don't know where I'd be without that. I really don't. I mean, I'll it's agree. like, it, cha it changed my life. It changed my life so much. I'm trying to move my mic so that I've got this a little bit more in my face. Sorry. Anyway, how old were you? Me how old I was when I first had a lucid dream? Is that what you're asking me? Yeah. Uh, so th there's two answers to that. The first answer is that I was 19 when I, the first one that I really recalled at first, and that was very intense. In fact, my video show, I'm working on a video series right now. So I'm going to, you know, I'm going to pitch that, of course, that Go I just kind of started a few months ago and it's called Migration. It's based on my last book, which I have also, a copy of somewhere, but I'm actually using as a, I'm using my book as a stand for my for my monitor. So I can't <laughs> hold it up right now. Yeah, that was planning ahead of my on my part. Right but I, So I wrote a book and it's called Migration, but it's all based on my theory of consciousness. It's all based on how I see consciousness and how I see it reacting with narrative. And that could be narratives that are going on in your head, your internal narratives, right? Your internal right. stories, or they can be coming from outside. I don't see them as there. It doesn't really matter where the narrative is coming from. That changed everything once I started learning lucid dreaming and whatnot. So uh, I that's what I'm trying to express now in my life. I'm trying to, uh, trying to get that message across like you are in any format that I can. And so now, like I said, I'm doing these videos where I'm trying to illustrate, I'm trying to use like computer graphics and layover layovers and like, you know, imagery and whatnot to try to like, these, it's such an abstract concept. I mean, everything yeah. that we talk about, when you start talking about consciousness, it's not something you can hold and show to somebody, right? right. You can't just go, this is what I'm talking about right here. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm constantly trying to do. I'm trying to illustrate these things. And that's been, that's that's been my whole goal now for several years now but uh but luckily i started having these experiences as you asked about when i was like a teenager the internet was not really a thing i mean it was sort of a thing but it wasn't really something that everyone was using so luckily i'm glad that i couldn't run to some public domain and start running my mouth because i wouldn't have known <laughs> what i was talking about i'm glad that i was able to let these ideas marinate for a long long time and now I'm kind of in the position where I can talk about these things. So my first experience fits into the category. It was a lucid dream. I knew, I knew what was happening. I was hundred percent aware that I knew I was, you know, I knew what was going on. Like I knew I was, my body was asleep, but I also jumped consciously into, I was, I watched the scene play out basically uh, from a very specific location in Michigan that I'm familiar with from childhood, but I watched this scene play out through someone else's eyes. It was a native child, native to the area, at least 200 years in the past. Whoa. Something like that. Yeah, and that's these are the kind of stories that I used to laugh at, you know, and uh, the more and more I did my research afterwards, the information I came back with, I found that what the information I came back with was 
pretty accurate, accurate enough for me to go. It was accurate enough for me to go. What I, I, I felt that what I saw was had actually taken place. So now I'm kind of developing this whole theory behind all of it. Like, how does all of this work? And so my, the reason I mentioned my video series is because the store, the first thing that happened to me, this first, first experience, uh, I'm trying to illustrate it now in the next video I'm doing. I'm trying to take the whole experience. I'm trying to see what I can do with my artwork and because I'm an artist, you know, yeah. everything behind me. I'm trying to like see how, what I can do to illustrate it so I can kind of present it to, to other people. So, yeah. that, so that, that should be fun. That should be fun. Yeah, because it, it makes, uh, you know, you were talking about the idea of consciousness and experiences, and it, it it is not something that is physical, you know, so you can't just be like, hey, this table is what consciousness is, right? And people have a hard time, well, some people have a hard time really conceptualizing something that you're experiencing if you haven't had firsthand experience with it. So I completely understand yes. why your art would be one of the mediums that you could use to really demonstrate and show what these experiences were like for you that's that makes the total idea sense. yeah yeah because yeah, like for, i've like felt like i've done these books i've done a few books and i'm like books are great i can really flush out so much you know you can just write to your heart's content in a book but then once you know but it's like still you can't really it's like you can't get the whole picture because you can't really yeah. visualize it completely so i'm like all right now it's trying to i'm trying to take this message to video i'm seeing what i can do with that so it's all an experiment we'll see what happens uh it'll, I've get, got a, it'll get there dude see. you've, you've yeah. already manifest like i don't really talk about manifestation that much because it seems so woo woo to me but the, the reality is that you came up with two different things at this point that were all in your head so obviously migration your theories on consciousness and all that type of stuff but also your first book tripping the field which I fucking love the title of this thing. I'm looking at it right now, shipping the field, Thanks. an existential crisis of ungodly proportions. I just think that title is so fucking great. Thanks. Um, Thanks. So I love it. I love that book. I, it, that's my baby. I, that was, I never planned to talk about this stuff directly that, you know, that's what you're talking about is a sci-fi fantasy. It is, it's complete lunacy. That first book tripping the field. And it's so, it's so much fun. I, but it's and it's all based on my information. It's all based on what I had experienced, like the okay. wisdom. That was my so question. So the story behind it is all you know. It's weird because so many people who read it, they're like, you know, this is insane. But there's also like, there's real, you know, there's actually legitimate wisdom behind this about what's going on. And there, and it, and as the story goes, it kind of, it's it's teaching you the mechanics of the world that that it's playing in and so you start learning as the story progresses and it's a it's an adventure sci-fi a little bit horror there's a lot of there's some terrifying things in the book as well but uh but it's all based on my on the wisdom and it, but it wasn't until later after the book was published and i started doing podcasts and radio shows and stuff that people started asking me just that question like so what you know where, where did these ideas come from and i'm like right. All right. And then I kind of reluctantly started talking about this stuff again. And I didn't want to talk about this at first. This is still kind of new to me. I've only really been talking about this openly for maybe two years now, something like that. Oh, really? Yeah. Cause at first, when I first started having these experiences, like I said, I was like 19, I was or 20 years old and I was just running my mouth at first to anybody who would listen. I just like, you know what happened? You know, and I would like tell them some crazy story, you know, like I was in this other person's body and I could see things from 200 years ago. And and they're like, oh, so you're insane. I'm like, and I had never considered, you know, you always see that like on television, the people with the UFO stories or the people with the crazy whatever stories. And you're like, right. oh, those people, you know, they're, they're the ones who get ridiculed. I had never been on that side of the fence before. Like, oh, 
oh, that's what it feels like. Oh, I sound crazy. <laughs> like, oh, that's right. I sound like I'm talking like, okay, because people are now wondering, are you insane? Are you lying? Right. What is it? Or are you just, are you confused? Like what's going on? So, so after a you, while, I started them, shutting up. <laughs> when you told them those experiences, it wasn't even for like, it wasn't even like, oh, that's just a dream. Like they just immediately jumped to, oh, you're fucking crazy. That was the first thing, right? That, you know, like you're just, you're just, this is just a dream. And all, and at first that's all I could explain was I didn't even know the word lucid dreaming at first. So at first I'd just be like, like, it's, I'm like, I, all I can tell you is whatever's happening. These are not dreams. These are not just, this is something on a whole other level, but I couldn't quite put my finger on it until later. I'm like, okay, the idea of a lucid dream, like, yeah, that's part of it that I'm aware that I'm dreaming. And that, of course, later I realized, oh, that's the whole key that the awareness is everything that consciousness yep. is everything, right? That you are aware of what's going on. You're aware of the relationship between your consciousness and the dream story, right? The dream narrative that's playing out. You can step back and go, oh, oh, all of this is nonsense. All of this is, none of this is really happening. And that turned out to be the whole key. But then when I started, when it started turning into astral projection i'm not i'm still not sure how i feel about that word but that's the word that we often use in in this right. which i was the community you know, right my recent experience with that too so oh yeah okay let's talk about that but i i'd love to hear about that but that's um when it turned into that and again i didn't have the access to google at the time so i couldn't just go oh there's a connection between lucid dreaming and astral projection i mean i never would have even guessed like why would there be what why is why would there be now i understand it now i understand the mechanics behind it and why those two connect perfectly but at the time i'm like wait a minute i'm starting to see things in these visionary states that are actually happening and i could go back and check with people and go hey mom what were you actually doing at like seven in the morning because i saw exactly what you were doing 200 miles away when you were in Chicago, you know, or something like that. And the story started flooding back to me exactly blow by blow, like, you know, friends and family who I could go and check these stories with like, Hey, what were you doing? You know, when I, when I was, my body was asleep, I was able to see what you were doing. And that started freaking people out a bit more. So it went from like, okay, I'm maybe either you're, I don't know if you're crazy or like now this is taking on a whole new level, you know, right. it's like, so I, you know, and, and I, I would mention this stuff to like girlfriends and stuff like that. And, you know, they didn't like that at all. The idea like, so <laughs> I know where you were last so Thursday. You, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, so you can see where I'm, I'm like, I'm not like spying on you. It's just like, this is just happening spontaneously. Right. It, it freaked a lot. The universe is out. showing me what you're doing. I, can't I don't know what, it. I don't know what to tell you. And it was no. all, everything I ever saw was completely innocuous. It was never anything, you know, that was never the intent to go like, I want to go figure out what this person is doing. It, I don't even know if it does work like that. And I've been on a few atheist podcast shows where they're like, well, you need to prove it to us. I'm like, that's, it's it doesn't not, work like it doesn't really work where if i have the intention of oh, i'm going to prove this to somebody like yeah it doesn't really there's a mechanics there that you're fighting against and that yeah. doesn't always work that way so much of this stuff was spontaneous but uh anyway that sort of really freaking people out so i started shutting my mouth more and more but so i hadn't talked about these things for years and years and so now that i've started talking about this stuff it's become kind of a floodgates open i'm just like i don't know turns out i got a lot to say on the issue yeah. <laughs> so, and yeah. there's a lot of people that are fucking like interested in this stuff and the unfortunate yeah. thing at this point in time is 
most people, I would say the vast majority of human beings on this planet still look at it all as it's all taking place in your mind and that's it. And that there's no value in it. It's all in your head, right? Right. And even, it's funny even because what does that was, even mean? Yeah. And even if that was the case, honestly, like, okay, right. all this shit is taking place in my mind. Who the fuck cares? The fact that I'm able in your paradigm is it's taking place in my mind. The fact that I'm right. able to go inside my mind and be aware and walk around and navigate and go through all these experiences. Right. Doesn't that fucking blow your mind at all? Like in the least? It, That's on it the should. base level. So yeah. if it goes any further than that and saying that, oh no, these are real places and things that you're experiencing. Right. Somehow. Like that, you know? And we don't understand consciousness. And some of those people, no. when we they say that, reality. when they say that it's all happening in your head, I think that they expect to win the intellectual of the year award or something like that by bringing up that topic. Right. And I'm like, yeah, good for you. I'm like, but so, well, then what is consciousness? Like, where does it live then? And yeah. then that's where they've got nothing else to really say back. And I know that that's kind of a, you know, it's a, it puts them in a weird position too. Like, well, look, I'm telling you the way this works, you know, there's, there's, and there's lots and lots and, you know, millions of people now who have had everything from lucid dreaming to whatever you call out-of-body experience, but even just the near-death experiences, which I think all of those, you're basically looking at the, the same mechanics, essentially. Yeah. Uh, what's going on with the body is obviously different with the near-death experience, but essentially what's happening with your consciousness is still essentially the same, the same thing. And we've got so much data though. And, uh, you know, who, I don't know if it'll ever be proven. I don't know if they'll ever figure out exactly what consciousness is. I have a feeling that they won't is my feeling. I have a theory about it. I don't, I, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's matter. I don't think it's matter or energy. I don't think it's something that you could ever put under a, a microscope and look at. So I think, I think they're gonna have a real hard time with that is my feeling, but I don't know. I don't know. So. I think I lean more towards the other side of the fence on that. I think that it, Will it happen? I don't know. Do I think it's possible? Yeah. And I talked to, I believe it was the Lana episode that we talked about that we need like the Michael Jordans of lucid dreaming and a whole bunch of them going okay. in and trying to figure this shit out collectively with the same intention and the same goals um, in order to really get a grasp on it. And we want to talk, since we're talking about specifically what consciousness is, what is your opinion on reality? Like, what do you think all this that we're experiencing here? in this three-dimensional realm is like, what, what yeah. do you think is going on? So there's consciousness and that's the, the base of everything. Now, when I see that, I, well, <clears throat> excuse me, when I say that, I'm specifically saying that if you want to put it in your head, I would say that it's in my philosophy, it's, it's very easy to simply equate consciousness with a vacuum, with empty space that permeates everything that is it empty empty space has been there before the universe you know was born and it will you know just we're talking just pure emptiness it's i i like to call it the ground state you know we talk about ground states in physics sometimes and i don't i'll try not to go too far into the into wacky physics but we talk about the idea of there being a zero point field which upon every all energy and matter is built upon and uh that was kind of the idea behind tripping the field the idea of this you know the ground state behind everything and mm. i believe that consciousness is a is a sort of ground state that it is it is there's only one of them. It's not like it's, there's nothing to divide it up, but then consciousness has this quality. And now we're getting into story time. Cause I'm going, the only way to describe it is to describe it kind of in a story. And I'm not saying that this Can is I exactly, grab my popcorn? 
go get your popcorn. Yes, go get your popcorn. (laughs) But uh, I'm going to describe it in one way, but it's, I, I would say that it's just a map and the map is not the territory so to speak, right? So, but one way to describe it is that you've got this ground state, this emptiness that is aware, that is observant, you know, okay? But then it's the base, it's the ground state of everything that's going on. So all of that matter and energy that is built upon it, all of the things that come up into our universe, consciousness can sort of become, it seems, mesmerized by some of these smaller details. And specifically in the case of us humans, it seems to become mesmerized with a narrative. It becomes like, it's not necessarily that consciousness is attached to me as a person, as much as it's attached to me as a story of a person. Like we all have stories, right? Like you've got a story. If I told, if I asked you, so what did you, you know, tell me about your life and, you know, in a hundred words or so, you would have some little story that you know went from oh i started here and then i went on and right 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 that is what i believe on some level our consciousness gets attached to that storyline and you can see this play out over and over throughout you know in so many different realms that when consciousness gets attached to a storyline it seems to make it real when we simply watch a movie or read a book for example we immediately start attaching to these things and as if they're real we attach it's like it's like it reaches out and attaches to it but the attachment is not real is what i is what i would say in the end the the attachment is 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 an illusion ultimately so lucid dreaming is the beauty of lucid dreaming is that you are able to go into a dream, the dream narrative. That's that's when you're in the dream story, right? Whatever whatever crazy story you're dreaming about. And if you're able to pull back from that story, that's when something amazing happens. That's when you are able to see the, the larger perspective of like, oh, there's some quality that just changed. And that quality that changes that is that it is con- your consciousness is now a little bit freed up mm. from that story. You've pulled back from the dream narrative and what happens when you detach from that dream narrative well suddenly what happens you suddenly have more control you have more choices of what's going on you can now make decisions instead of just being pulled along right Right. by the story because that's what's happening in a dream right you're just kind of being tugged along by you know and you're just going you know you tell me i'm a you know i'm a some cia operative on planet mars in the future well that's you know you you take it as is right you just go well that's what's being presented yeah but if you can pull back from it you know and uh that is an amazing mechanic in this universe. And I think we shouldn't take that for granted because I think that ultimately that's what we need to do with our life story. We need to be able to pull back from all of our narratives, all from our, from our, all of our narrative, you know, all of them from our life to everything else. And we should be able to pull back and go, Oh, that's also just, it is just a story. And I'm something bigger than that. I'm, I'm consciousness, which doesn't really come and go like we think of other things coming and going into into the universe. So that's that's one way to describe it. But uh, that's kind of what I'm flushing out with my series. I'm trying to take that larger perspective of how consciousness gets mesmerized by by narrative somehow, and I'm trying to flush that out. Like, so what does that look like when it comes to everything in our life? Like how everything plays out, and how does it work with paranormal? Uh, so many paranormal topics because that dives into you know i can i can use that basic model that i just described to describe just about everything in the paranormal universe uh and it all fits into one giant unified theory basically so uh i don't know but so at the end of this at the end of the day 
what consciousness actually is, I'm not, I don't know. It's, it's more of a wave than, it, than a particle. I guess that's one way to describe it. You know, if you're looking at it from like a, a mathematical or a physics perspective, like if I have to make the choice, it's somehow more like a wave and it's not really an isolated thing that I can pull out and go, hey, it's, it's this, you know, right. it's, it's this. Some that's sort of frequency that we have, that we're in tune with. Exactly, right, yeah. yeah, definitely. It's like our, I like the idea that, that 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 model as well, that our bodies or our nervous systems are kind of like antennas, right? We're just sort of picking up the yeah. frequency of consciousness. That's one way to think of it. Uh, that definitely works too. It's but again, a- those are all maps. They're just, those are just ways to describe it. I'm not attached to any of those maps either. It's just another way to kind of try to visualize it, you know? Right. Going back to what you were saying about the whole being pulled back in episode zero of my podcast. So the it's the, the debut one is basically just the introduction of what the podcast will be about. I kind of equated lucid dreaming versus normal dreaming as in normal dreams. It's like you're the passenger in a car that somebody else is driving. Absolutely. Versus all of a sudden now you're in the driver's seat. Going and most people you. live their life like that. Yeah. You know, like yeah. that's the connection. So yeah, please yeah. continue. <laughs> um, and going back to the whole consciousness thing. And y- you mentioned like simulation and all that. I don't know if you've seen the video of, uh, God, what's his name? The Tesla guy, uh, Elon Musk. And uh, fuck, what's his name? Uh, I'm so bad with names right now. This one dude that's that's goes on Joe Rogan. He's, uh, he's like a, I want to say he's an astrophysicist, but he had Elon Musk on a while ago and he was talking about artificial intelligence and he was asking Elon I know who if, you're talking about the guy that wears the suit and the tie yes, yes constantly exactly. yeah. I've watched that I've watched some of that guy and I, and I can't think of his name either off Eric something I don't remember me, it's yeah. gonna bug me let me look it up yeah <laughs> I know you're t- I know you mean I've watched a few of his shows now uh, yeah. but he's all he's all into AI but yeah yes. please continue yeah go ahead so he had Elon Musk on recently and he was asking him about artificial intelligence. Lex Friedman, that's his name. Lex, Lex Friedman. Friedman that's God, it. that was going to bug me. I'm so glad he did that. So Lex Friedman had Elon Musk on and he's like, okay, so you're very into artificial intelligence. Uh, so if you happen to be the person that created the first AI, what would be the first thing that you asked them? And Elon Musk like does his little fucking, his brain is all fucking, he works so fucking fast and everything. A million yeah, questions, yeah, yeah. million things going at once. He takes about like 15 seconds before he actually answers it. But he says, what's outside the simulation? I'm still trying to figure out reality and what reality is. And I go back to, I go back to my very first Salvia experience. um, When I, when I think about what reality is. And I've also had, I've also had a few uh, moments where I woke up in the middle of the night. Like, so I woke up from a dream, just normal dreams. But if you are you familiar with that one song, uh, row, row, row your boat gently down the stream? For sure. Yeah. So I've woken up twice in my life. And one of them was actually in the last couple of months where all of a sudden I wake up and in my head replaying it is merrily, 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 merrily. Life is but a dream. Did you write about this on one of the hive posts by chance? This sounds really so, familiar. Yeah. I, yeah. I remember you. I remember reading this. Yeah. Okay. All right. Cool. So I have that thing to go on that. Part of me feels like that what we're experiencing here is some sort of dream in and of itself, some sort yeah. of simulation, like uh, Elon Musk is saying. And going back to my salvia experience, the very first time that I did salvia, prior to that, I'd done mushrooms a handful of times. Prior to that, I'd done LSD acid a few times, and I'd done DMT once, but I didn't get the full effect of it. I didn't get the blast off effect. Okay. I got like just before there. Okay. But so 
my ego was very much in play during this little episode of, of believing that I fucking had this all figured out. I was an expert because I had like less than 10 psychedelic experiences in my life. And so I do this salvia trip and long story short, I go to like this different dimension essentially. Uh, and my TV starts talking to me and it tells me that everything that I've experienced in my life up to this point has been a lie and that I'm trapped in some sort of false reality. Yeah. And right. at that time I'd never had an experience with lucid dreaming. I never even knew what it was at that point. So at that point I was like terrified. I was terrified. That can be scary. Sure. Yeah. When you're young and inexperienced. Yeah. And you, and you're walking into it. Like at that point I was walking into it. Like I just want to get fucked up and see some crazy shit. Right. But you don't know what you're getting into. Sure. No. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. As, as I've gotten older and more experienced, especially with lucid dreaming and now a little dabbling in astral, um some of the voices that i've encountered in the lucid dream state like the awareness like uh what's his face robert wagner he talks about the awareness behind the dream and everything yes yeah i've had many a communications with this voice that is overseeing everything voices i've had several different types of voices speak to me i've had that too yeah yep. and it's okay what do you <laughs> what is it you can ask me what it is <laughs> oh no <laughs> yeah i know it's weird because it's like for me for me personally i've had several different types of voices and some of them have said very different things to me so okay. i'll do a little history lesson for you and for anyone that hasn't i don't think i've really talked about it too much in depth on my podcast thus far but i know i've touched on it okay when i first heard about the awareness behind the dream after reading robert's book i became obsessed with it and at that point i was still very much of the inclination that dreaming and lucid dreaming was all taking place in my mind. So that was the narrative and the paradigm that I was running with. Right. Sure. So for several months up until this point, I was trying to speak to my subconscious. Those were the, those were the words and the intentions that I was using. Every time I became lucid, I'd look up and I'd yell out, I want to speak to my subconscious and nothing would happen. I want to okay. meet with my subconscious and nothing would happen. I want my subconscious to show itself and nothing would happen. Right. Okay. So after several months of nothing really materializing in that fashion, I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I think that dude's like full of shit. I don't know what I'm just going to do something else. So I had this intention of, I want to see earth from the moon. So I become lucid in this one situation where uh, it was, I was being attacked by people I went to high school with or one person I went to high school with. And I had this very like DBZ moment, Dragon Ball Z, if you're familiar. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I like, I like power up essentially. And in that yeah. moment I became lucid and I was like, whoa, 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 what am I doing? And then I just looked up and I was like, I want to see earth from the moon. And I can feel myself all of a sudden be, it's all, like I've got grabbed by my shoulders and I'm being brought up through right. feeling through a night sky, feeling the moisture of the air. I'm seeing a city below. It's all cloudy. It's very beautiful. And I'm feeling the moisture. I'm just getting so excited. And before I know it, I'm in space overlooking this planet and it's not earth. And I know it's not earth because all of a sudden this voice speaks to me that I can't see. And this voice essentially says to me that this isn't earth. Like I'm, I'm butchering what it said. It was much more, you've, you've talked to it. It's fucking elegant yeah. and classy and I'm a yes. fucking dumb chimpanzee, right? Yep. Essentially saying that earth, this isn't earth. This is da 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 da, -da planet and that earth is whack and then it starts talking to me about how i was unique in that my voice can go different frequencies and do all these types of things and fucking things that i hadn't really even become aware of within myself and at this point i know it's because i can do a lot of different dialects and characters oh, 
Um, oh, interesting. Yeah. I didn't know this at the time. Like I had no idea about this until several years later. But so this voice sounded like, and I'm, I'm writing, uh, you're talking about, we were talking about books. I'm writing a book based on my, it's a novel based on a lot of my lucid experiences and my philosophies and everything like that. Okay. And I'm including this voice in the story. It sounded to me like a thousand different voices all speaking together in unison. Yeah, it's like a chorus. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Okay. So I've heard that, but then in other instances, I've heard ones that, and going back, I couldn't hear myself in this voice. Mm. Like I distinctly remember not being able to hear myself in it for whatever reason, but then other voices I've heard sounded like larger versions of myself that I could hear in. And then there cool. were ones that sounded exactly like me. And then there were some that were female. Okay. So yeah, it just begs more questions to me. Like that's, that's really where I get at with what the fuck is happening there? What is that? Those things, you know, I've got a few thoughts that, that came up that popped up immediately as you were telling your story, just hearing some of the, some of the things you just talked about. So uh, first of all, I've, I've come across that voice only a few times uh, where I actually called out during lucid states. And I heard, I had read somewhere that you could do this where you could just kind of call out a question mm -hmm. and you could get an answer. And I've, and I've, I've had interaction with that before. And it was uh, like you said, immediate and eloquent and seemed way smarter than me yeah. <laughs> like it was that sort of thing like whatever's talking to me this yeah. is some part of if it's me it's some aspect of me that is that's like miles ahead yeah. of me where i'm at but what I, what I what i liked is that you know some of the the things that you were trying to call out like hey i want to see like my subconscious yada yada it sounded like those were not very specific. Then you were specific and said, you made a specific request. I want to see, you know, the earth from the moon. And so you got a little bit more leverage there. You got some more like, okay, now there's a specific request. That's how it seemed to me. But like beyond that, you're, you may have been asking questions that were a little bit more like, well, I want to, I want to, what'd you say? I want to have a relationship with my, I want to see my subconscious, yeah. but what does that really mean? Like right. in terms of the truth, what is, you know, we think of our, our subconscious as being this actual separate thing that we can pull out. But in terms of in reality, I'm not sure that there's actually such a thing that actually could be shown to you or handed to you. So it just seems like possibly when you were being more specific, like, okay, now I have a specific request, show me this, then there's a much more direct, you know, a direct response that that's the first thing uh that i thought of but i would uh, agree with that yeah that's what it, that's what I, that's what i'm hearing and uh yeah definitely the idea that your life is you know your life has been a dream and you're when you talked about the idea that you have a you're able to change voices you're able to change dialects and i can do the same thing i've had a natural capacity for jumping into other people's heads so to speak and my feeling about that is that there are some people who have who are just prone to this lucid dreaming. So again, let's think of, if I'm going back to my model, let's think of you as simply a storyline. Forget about that you're a body, forget about your physicality. What you're really attached to is a storyline, right? Right. Let's just think about like that for a second. If you are prone to be able to pull back from all narratives, that means that you can pull back, not just from your dream stories, you can pull back from your story too. And because you're able to do that, you're not so heavily immersed 
involved in the story of yourself. So you have more access to other personalities, so to speak. You can also jump into like, oh, a British dialect or a, an Irish dialect or something like that. that that's not so foreign to you because you don't take, you, know, you see what I'm saying? You don't yeah. hold your own narrative, your own story of being who you are quite right. so as perhaps quite as seriously. You don't, you don't have that death grip on it like so many people do who are so dramatic and going every little thing that's happening. It's like it's a life and death situation we have a little bit less of a, of a grip on it so we can pull back a little bit more. It allows us to lucid dream. It allows us to pull back from all of the, you know, even the dream story and go, oh yeah, none of this is real. That's right. Cause that's what lucid dreaming requires. You've got to be able to pull back and go, oh yeah, yeah none of this is really, there's, there's, there's something bigger behind this. You know, there's the, you know, there's something bigger. There's uh, behind the simulation again, right? There's right. that, there's that consciousness. But uh, the way I see that consciousness is, is that why shouldn't it be able to speak? I mean, if it's if the con if consciousness is at the base of everything, well, then it's clearly intelligent. It's it's if if it's the source of everything, then right. you know I'm an atheist, but I use that word loosely. I use it to there, I use it just to try to get people to think. I use the word atheist to go. You know what? I think that all of this that's happening is perfectly natural none of it is above the laws of nature i think this is all perfectly within the laws of nature i don't think that we have to go into the supernatural to explain this stuff is is usually is really my point really that's that's why i but the reason i bring up atheism is that it sounds so much like you're talking about god at that point doesn't it i mean when you talk about the idea of consciousness from a larger perspective that it is intelligent it is right. you know and, and then you know but once I start talking about that, I feel like I'm getting kind of snared into the, oh, so you believe in intelligent design then? Like, oh, like, well, <laughs> yes, but. but not yes, in the way that you're describing. Not in the way that you're. Not necessarily because you have a very, yeah, those, they have, those people have a very dedicated, you know, strong dedication yeah. to another yeah. narrative, which is taking place in the Bible, you know, and I'm like, right. all right, you've got a whole other attachment to this, which I don't. Yeah. You know, so, uh, but yeah, I, I see that that voice, you can tap into that. You can tap into that intelligence. And of course, it's at the source of everything. And it's going to connect with you, hopefully, in a way that you'll understand. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes, I mean, if uh, with enough psychedelic experience and, or whatever, you'll start seeing that there are times that that larger force will connect with you in ways that you can't understand yet, you know, and you'll understand it perhaps on a deeper level, but you're not really consciously understanding that. And I've had so many experiences where like, man, I don't know if I can even process what just happened, you know, and that's happened in dream states. That's happened in psychedelic states. Yeah. Sometimes you get information where you're like, eh, I'm just going to, it's like something's going, I'm going to show this to you anyway. And you're just not going to be ready, but yep. that's okay. <laughs> the, the first, yeah, the, I can immediately recall the, the major incident uh, or instance rather where that sort of thing happened where I was, <laughs> I experienced something. And at that, at that time, once I realized like what it was that essentially was shown to me, I was like, fuck, I don't think I was ready for that. I talked about yeah. it uh, for people that are listening, go back to the Rachel episode. I talk about it in great detail. Is that Rachel Olson? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Another hive member. Yeah. Um, but basically what had happened was I was having a lucid dream and I was just having lucid fun you know doing some superhero type of shit like i was just yeah. really in the moment and just having fun with it i wasn't trying to do anything too crazy 
but whatever is going on there had different plans for me in that moment. Right. Yeah. Um, so what ended up happening was I did something. I, uh, I shot like an energy blast at this thing that I was in, that was in front of me. There's this big explosion, you know, a uh, perspective changes and then comes back to me. And then all of a sudden when the smoke is clearing, there's this figure in robes and they look like one of those old school monks, like the old timey monks um, or uh, friars rather with like the brown robes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. With like the weird haircut and everything. Yep. All of a sudden this figure is right next to me, just out of nowhere. So my perspective had changed to where I was like looking at the scene that had just happened from like miles away to now yeah. I'm back in my perspective and this dude is just standing right next to me. And he says something that I can't repeat because in that moment when he said it, it was so foreign and so bizarre that I had the very lucid thought of, I have never heard anybody say this before ever. Interesting. I love it. And then a day or two later, I'm watching like sports center or something. Okay. Okay. Somebody says the exact same thing that that dude said. And when that happened, it was like reality. It felt like, it felt like reality was all of a sudden watching me. Like that was the oh, kind of the yeah. thing that I felt. It was just like, what the fuck nice and like i didn't know how to process it and to this day like you know i have obviously had this was like in two this is before fidel my pitbull so this was like 2013 in that era so i've had several years to be able to process it and it just kind of revalidates. Do you keep your timeline in order by your dogs <laughs> i love Basically. it <laughs> dude honestly yeah i do because i feel like <clears throat> you know you're talking about atheism and everything and supernatural stuff i can only judge certain things by how it felt by sure. the feelings right um it's all so subjective yeah yeah and i i say that <clears throat> that i go by pre-fidel and post-fidel because everything about nice. me i feel like changed when that dog came into my life it felt like i met nice. you know for lack of a better word i had a um an edible experience after he had passed and the edible experience told me that he was my twin flame and it felt like I was communicating oh, directly with him. That's sweet. I love it. And there was a feeling of recognition. Like I knew him the very first moment I saw him, like when we locked eyes and that's yeah. so uh, who I was before him and who I was during and after him have been like the greatest forms of my evolution took place because of him. That's awesome. So I know that that was that instance was before him because of where I was at in the world, you know, where I was living at specifically. Yeah, and why not? I mean, what from my perspective that I've been trying to explain is what is looking out through my eyes, what's looking out through your eyes, and what is peering out through an animal's eyes. Again, it's all essentially going back to the it's, it's all the exact same thing, except I am layered. I've got a whole bunch of layers of like stories upon stories, like you know, that that that's kind of like that's that's between that pure consciousness and what it is that I present to the world. And all those layers are, you know, it all has to do with my humanity and all the things that I think that I know about what's going on in, in my life and in my world and in my, you know, and, but then an, a dog's perspective, of course, has got to be, I, I would hope that it's a hell of a lot simpler than what we do to ourselves in our own heads. You know, I would, I would imagine that an animal is just like, it's much more of like the moment to moment, like this is what's going on. You know, I'm kind of attached to this, you know, this four-legged animal and this is just how it's going to be. And this is, you know, I can, I can bark and I can do basic, basic things. I would hope that uh, it's a little bit more simple, simplistic, but I also think that's, that's why we love animals so much, you know, because there is such a, a beautiful simplicity that we have lost in our humanity, you know, yeah. that we have, that we have made things so very complicated for ourselves that 
I don't think our life has to be as complicated as we've made it, but that is what, that is the, that is the story we are, we are going through though. So <laughs> I, I think what makes them so special, at least in my mind, is that I absolutely believe that there's a form of consciousness in there because I, one, I experienced it with him. Like it felt like I, there was somebody home. They just couldn't express it the same way. Absolutely. I've seen, I've seen, uh, there's a few accounts on Instagram. I follow, uh, one of them's named bunny. The other one's named, uh, I think Stella. Uh, there are these two dogs that have basically learned to communicate with their with their humans by pressing these buttons and they can literally have conversations with the humans by pressing certain buttons wow yeah it's pretty it's awesome. pretty wild i've not seen and that i'll have to find that i'll, I'll send you the link when we're done um right. but i definitely believe that they just don't have an ego there's no ego right. there why would they yeah and right. so yeah things are absolutely more simple and everything is like more serene and peaceful with them because they don't have that fucking little for us it's for chimpanzees right so for us it's like this little monkey that's inside of us that's always chiming in and ooing and eyeing and throwing shit at the wall you know what i mean yeah and that's what we get attached to and i think that yeah i think that's i think that's all of our suffering is what i would say all of our suffering I would is, agree. you know and it's funny because i call myself an atheist but you can also very much call me a buddhist as well because everything that i speak about my my basic philosophy is it sounds so much like everything that the Buddhists have been talking about for thousands of years. The idea that we're suffering because of our, you know, like you just said, because of our ego, we're attached to these stories. We're attached to yeah. all of our, our identity and our, what is our identity? Our identity, again, is just another storyline that, that we hold in our head of like, well, this is who I am and this is what's important and yada, 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 and on and on and on. Right. Yeah. I think, honestly, I think ego is one of the big reasons why you were an addict, why I was an addict. Um, when I was doing research after I'd gotten clean from meth, so going back to that topic, uh, and this was when I was living in the same place, this is after I'd figured out what lucid dreaming was, but this is when I was in the prime of when I was obsessed with it. Like when I was really trying to figure out everything I could about it and diving deep into it. And I was exploring more aspects of what consciousness is. And I kept running into this thing called the ego. I didn't really understand what the ego was. And from my perspective at that time, what the ego was, was like, oh, you have an ego, you have pride. You have like, you take pride in something. Right, that you, you think do. of it as just in terms of like a, yeah, it's like a, I'm yeah. a prideful thing. And it's so much it's more complex way than that. Different. Yeah. <laughs> it's way different. Yeah. And the more research that I did, and it's talking about like, you know, the, uh, I was reading all these different pages on the internet and all these different articles and everything that they were, the ego want is more, the ego is never satisfied. It's always about me. It's all, you know, Right. Um, everything that I was seeing about the ego was the same shit that people in recovery talked about addiction, like literally word for word, you could substitute one line for the other. And it, it was describing ego and addiction. And I was like, holy shit. Yes. So I think like you were talking about the Buddhists and everything, ego playing a part in suffering. When I became super aware of my own ego, and again, this is going back to Fidel, there was a singular moment that I had where this was like the first couple of days where uh, he was free and I had gotten him. We were walking and I've talked about this on the podcast before also where there was this dude that was walking towards us. It was nighttime. This is like one of our first walks. So like maybe a day or two into actually being together. And this dude is walking towards us at nighttime. And I had this very fearful thought of, I need to cross the street. I need to cross the street. I need to cross the street. He's going to do something in reference to Fidel. Like yeah, Fidel yeah. is going to do something to this guy. Hmm. And then I had this other thought pop in that said, just keep going straight. Everything's going to be fine. Just keep going straight. Everything's going to be fine. 
I keep going straight and everything was fine. We pass him, absolutely nothing happened. But in that moment, I felt sort of like uh, the way that I always equate it is an octopus or, or a, what do you call them? A squid shooting right. its ink. So you know how they get afraid and they shoot like they're ink. Right, right, right. That was what it felt like had happened in my brain. Because after we passed him, all of a sudden, this voice that I call left brain said to me, this is the voice of the ego. This is what the ego sounds like. This mm. is what the ego feels like. And I could feel from my right side, this like sort of ink sensation, like just, yeah. and it yeah, just it's shot just down the whole right side of my body. And so ever since then, I feel like I've been much more in tune with, with my ego. And in that moment, I really became uh, aware and also like kind of dismayed at the fact that, holy shit, I've been dealing with this thing my entire life. And every single person on this planet has this thing that yes. they might not even be aware of because I right. wasn't. And it was almost, it was like kind of terrifying, honestly, in a sense. Well, sure. And it can be terrifying because most people they identify so strongly with their identity they they identify so strong like this is what i am you know i am i am this i am my story i am what it is that i imagine myself to be in there and anything that that happens that takes them out of the context and there's a lot of opportunities in this world that can take you out of your context of your ego that can scare the hell out of people but it's also that's where all the bliss is though too you know yep. that's where it's like if you want to feel anything that's nice or really anything awesome yeah. that's you know uh that's absolutely where it is so yeah when you talk about that addiction is at the, at the heart of all of that it absolutely is because you are addicted to uh you're, you're addicted to these stories you're addicted to your identity definitely and you and it, a lot of it is control because of the way i see it at there's a reason we are addicted to the ego. I mean, in many ways, again, when I think, when I talk about things like the ego or any things like this, I think of it in terms of, again, I always come back to storylines that we process information as a human in story. We, you know, we, we, of course, rememorize, our brains are made for story. We memorize information better when it's put in the context of a storyline. There's something about the nature of a storyline that, that holds information for us better because really what a storyline is, is that at, in its simplistic form, a story is order from chaos, right? I mean, that's right. really at the end of the day, that's all really what it is. Yeah. If like, again, when I told you, when I asked you like, well, if you had to tell me the story of your life, you would be taking billions and billions of pieces of information, right? And you would be isolating this small, little, tiny edited version of that and going, well, I did this, this, and this, you know, da, 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 right? right. And that's what you cling to. I think that's what is the, the clinging. And it's, and there's a control in that, the idea that that I can cling to some small little isolated narrative, a little storyline, and I can feel control in that. And I, and, and, you know, that's why we're, that's why we're staring at our phones all day too. We're just looking for another order from chaos. We're constantly looking for the next little narrative, the next little story, the next little stimuli that's going to make our giant world seem a lot smaller and safer. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, that's really what all of that yeah. is. But uh, yeah. and addiction is is so connected to all of that. I mean, it's the idea that well, I want to control, you know, my life. I I want to be able to decide when I feel high and when i feel good and all that other stuff and so i can take this drug and i can you know and i can control that part of my life you know there's there's all it, it all comes back to trying to 
take the big and turn it into something small. It seems like it seems like it always comes back to that again and again. Every time I look at what, you know, all of these addictions, that's what those addictions are all about. Trying to find order in the chaos. And right. so I don't know. It's like, that's what, that's what we're made for. Somehow it's like, we are constantly looking for order <laughs> somehow. Yeah. And I think, uh, I think for me, my discovery of lucid dreaming, uh, it happened in one of my off stages of meth so for me there was like different arcs of that whole journey there was the first phase there was the second phase and then there was a third phase so if you're a writer i'm a writer the three acts right right three acts um when i discovered it it was like in between act two and act three uh and i don't really remember the first one really at all all i remember is the ending of it i remember becoming lucid and when i became lucid obviously you know this happens to so many people in the very very beginning you get excited and when you get oh, excited yeah. the shit just goes away like it does it like it's right? the whole thing collapses yeah it, right it, it's, it's very much like inception the dream starts to collapse collapses so, it goes dark yeah you i feel be, I, I sometimes i just feel like i'm just being sucked out of it and it's like yeah. i lose i lose awareness completely yeah totally yeah so for that first one what happened was i became excited and what ended up happening was the entire dream starts like becoming this vortex all around me of color oh, yeah Oh, like yeah. just the most beautiful colors I've ever seen in my life. And I remember telling my uh, my girlfriend at the time about it, just being super excited. But then I went back into my meth phase and I didn't fucking go back to it until after I'd gotten clean. Right. And I started kind of realizing what part of my story was uh, in relation to sleep is that I think part of why I had done meth for as long as I did was because I didn't like the fact that there were eight hours of my day every single day that I just couldn't fucking remember. So you're talking about control or experience. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I was like, so rather than go to sleep, I'd rather just be up and at least I can fucking remember what I'm doing and shit. Which is kind of a fucking insane thing when you're up for two weeks at a time and days become like, seem like years. Oh, yeah. But after I'd gotten clean and I started to really understand that aspect of my consciousness and my personality, I was like, well, why don't I try to go back to this whole lucid dreaming thing and see what that's all about? Because if I'm going to, you know, miss out on eight hours of my life every day. And I was reading <laughs> right. at that time, uh, the Burgess book. And it's, it was talking about how you spend like a third of your life asleep, right? Yep. Yep. Why not be a little bit more proactive in what I'm doing, at least in a portion of that and try to become lucid. Nice. And then once I had the first experience, man, it was, there's, there's a few things that I call that I put on my quote unquote Mount Rushmore of who made me who I am today. Right. Yeah. Lucid dreaming is definitely one of those faces up there. I would not be me. I would not be as evolved. You know, that's my ego talking right there, but I'm pretty fucking evolved. You know what I mean? No, Um, it's those are facts. That's okay. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So what are some of the things that you most enjoy doing in lucid dreaming? That was one of the questions that I got from one of my viewers. Uh, She was asking, what are some of the things that I like to do when I'm lucid? So for me personally, I love to fly. Like if I'm just going out flying, to have right, fun, sure. flying, you know? Yeah. Uh, shape-shifting. Uh, that's that's something I got off on for a while. Like I would just like, I would be like, I, want, I would want to turn into like a bird and I would want to go through the whole process. Like the actually, you know, so when you're in a lucid state, you turn into a bird. For me, I mean, I would literally feel the wings like sprouting out from my shoulder blades, sort of thing. And it's just, I mean, it's just amazing, you know, to, and then, but, but then I would, I've done things where I can, I want to turn into like a wolf or something like that. But specifically, 
not just for the power of it, but uh, the idea of like, from my perspective, like I now can say very clearly with and confidently that I know what it's like to run on all fours. Like, that's a weird thing to say as a human, right. right? But I mean, I've been in that state so many times where I know what it feels like to have four legs and to be able to run efficiently and quickly on them. And that is just, it's, there's a, there's a, there's a high to that, you know, in and of itself. So, you know, flying, I've not done a whole lot of, you know, one thing I've never done that I can really think of, I I should be doing more swimming. I've not really done anything like turning into a fish or anything like that, but that's, Mm. that's going to have to be next on my list somewhere. But I also like passing through things Yeah. Uh, like specific, like moving through objects. I find that there's a weird sensation to when I've moved and, and there's a different feeling depending on what the material is. Like if it, if I'm walking through a wall, as opposed to say walking through a pane glass window, there's a, it's like the sensation of the materials is different. So I've, I've messed around with that. I mean, so, you know, it's just, uh, I, for me, because I'm an artist though, most, perhaps the most exciting parts is just looking at the, just taking in the detail. Some of the worlds that I've been in, you know, where you're just like, picking up, you know, picking up flowers or looking at architecture. I've been in like courtyards several times where there's like some building in front of me. And I'm like, this building is the most intricate, amazing architecture I've ever seen in my life. And I've, and for the life of me, I can't think that I've ever seen this in my life. Like that building doesn't look familiar. I've never seen this before. And I don't know anything about architecture, but you know, I've stood in front of things where I'm like, I don't know where this thing came from, but it is amazing. And then, you know, I want to go inspect it and go look at the, the, you know, it's all, as you'd say, in the, the virtual reality realm, it's all fully rendered. And what's right. even crazier is that like the, you can smell things, you know, I've taken flowers and whatnot, you know, you shove them into your nose, like, my God, I can smell that flower. And that yeah. is nuts. So I get, I get tripped up just on that. But uh, for me, it's, it's not really about what's happening. There's the, there's what's happening in the dream. And then there's the euphoria, you know, there's just the, there's a euphoria behind all of that. And yep. so I, what I found is that I've gotten less, I've become less interested in the details, you know, I've become less interested in, well, this is what's happening, or this is the, the world I find myself in, or this is what I can do with my powers, as much as just that, just, just sitting, you know, I found myself in more and more lucid dreams that I would start stopping and just sitting and meditating and just enjoying, like, I'm just enjoying the freedom of, you know, that you're, you're kind of beyond, you're beyond the bounds of everything in that state of consciousness. There's no, you know, your body's completely checked out at that point, you know, you're in sleep paralysis, or whatever, there's nothing to be done with it, you know, you're totally free. So there's, there's something about that to be said of just sitting in freedom, you know, sitting in that, that bliss of freedom. That's that to me is, is where it's at. It's awesome. So going back to what we were talking about much earlier, um, astral projection and everything. Yes. Or, um, I don't know. This is something that I, I've been kind of like tossing back and forth in my head recently since that one experience that I had in terms of like how the actual experience felt. And I'd said earlier that for the longest time, my interpretation of lucid dreaming was that it was all taking place in my head. Right. And as I got more experience with it and I had some of the experience that I've had, I no longer really believe that. I think that there can be moments or there can be like almost there's layers of it okay. that, and that some of them can be in your mind, 
but then I think the more aware and like we were talking about pulling yourself back that you get, I think that you honestly, a lot of the things that I've experienced felt like I was in different dimensions entirely. Yes. But the one sensation that I had with the astral thing that I had was it felt like <laughs> it felt like I was more me and I was more connected to here. Yeah. If that makes any sense. Like, well, I, of course I, it does. You know? Of course it does. Cause like I'm saying, you're pulled away at that point. You're pulled away from your ego. You're pulled away from your story of who you are at that point. And you are more, you are more your natural self. I would say that the idea that consciousness is attached to these egos, if there is something unnatural in the universe, that's the closest thing I think you could get. There's something unnatural about that. Cause you're not, you are a puppet at this the point, ego. a little bit. Yeah. In terms of the ego, there is something almost unnatural i mean obviously it's 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 one of the options that the, the one of the many forms the universe can take so I, you know we can't really call it unnatural because it's happened right. but in terms of it but it, it's the, the lives that we're living is very much like putting on a stage play i mean you go into this world and you put you know you are you are who you are and you you know you interact with your you know with who you're supposed to be and you go follow along with you the story of who you are but the reality is is that behind the scenes you know you you know when when the actor's allowed to go off stage and go all right now i can go back into the wings and be myself that to me is like where the astral projection is taking place and the, or the lucid dreaming is taking place where you are now you're not so uh caged into your body anymore you're not so caged by that storyline any longer you can pull back from that and go oh that's nice that's really nice now i don't have to put put any of yeah. that on and you're like taking a nice bath yeah it is you feel like yourself again and uh it, what's funny to me about that is that you know i've i've studied so many near-death experiences i've never had a a traditional near-death experience but you hear these people they come back from these like you know maybe 45 minute episodes and they're like my god my life has changed and i have this whole new vision of everything and i i i have this new insight and everything and it's funny to me that's funny because i'm like I was having those experiences every night for years on end. So it's like, at this point, how many hundreds and hundreds, it's like, I've had like, you know, a thousand near death experiences now. It's just that, yeah, turns out, you know, my body wasn't actually dead. It was just bound in sleep paralysis or, or whatnot. And I, of course, I know that there's other ways to get to those states as well. Some people claim that they can just do this from meditation. I've not been able to do that yet, but I, I do believe that it would make sense with my philosophy that if you can do this during a lucid dream, you could go into a meditative state and achieve the exact same thing. But when you pull back into that pure consciousness, like I keep saying, that is at the, the core of everything, you know, that, that consciousness, as I'm saying, if we think of it as the empty space that has been here from the beginning to the end. It, it doesn't see time as linear at all. And that's how physics, strangely enough, sees time, by the way. I don't want to geek, geek out too much on the physics, but I've now studied so much quantum physics and whatnot. If you ask a physicist, they actually can't tell you exactly why we experience time in a linear fashion. From the perspective of the universe, everything that has and ever ha has happened is like one big chunk of material, uh, the physicist Brian Greene sometimes refers to it as a loaf of bread. He's like the entire universe from start to finish acts like one giant thing. He goes, and we just see a slice of that loaf of bread. We just see a small slice of that. But when, but from the perspective of consciousness, if you can pull back from that, consciousness looks at everything as like, look, it's all there. I have access to everything. So the idea of time travel then doesn't seem so crazy 
anymore from the perspective of consciousness because if consciousness is the source of everything it's like yeah it's all it's yeah. all there every ego you can jump into everything so you know the idea of like seeing something from another person's perspective literally seeing something from another person's perspective is not that crazy anymore you know so you know the idea of experiencing what what things look like from planet x or the moon or you know what things looked like from another perspective even 200 years ago all of that starts to really make sense when you realize that we can we all have the ability to pull back from our egos and see things from that larger perspective. It's as, it's as simple as that. Sometimes that happens when the body is traumatized in the case of near-death experiences, or sometimes you can do it when your body is just asleep during a, you know, when you go into a, you know, a, a lucid dream or whatever, but there's, or psychedelics, there's so many ways to get there. So uh, I see it. I see that all of those things are as being very connected. So uh, yeah, your story is definitely, and the feeling you're talking about definitely makes sense. You feel like you've gone home, and that was the most intense thing that I kept noticing about my my visions. That I'm like, I feel like I went home. I don't know what that means, but I feel like like it's like I returned back to something like a primal state that this is this is where home is, and everything else, the rest of my life almost felt foreign after that a little right. bit like all oh, this whole play yeah. that we are that like we are fake. going through yeah it's fake and it is a little bit when you start understanding that it is a little bit like yeah you are kind of trapped in the matrix but you know uh this too shall pass i mean the body does die <laughs> you know yeah. it's not this isn't forever so right. uh, you'll, we'll we'll all go home eventually what different psychedelics have you taken have you taken pretty much the whole smorgasbord so there's there's only so many different basic combination of alkaloids if you look at it from the molecular perspective and i've done all of the basic uh combinations and that means that so i've done smokable dmt but i've not done i've not done ayahuasca right okay. so ayahuasca is essentially liquid dmt basically right. i mean from a chemical perspective and like a prolonged experience versus like the, the flash uh, the dmt i did. can't imagine having dmt a dmt trip last like seven eight hours that sounds crazy to me i've never done it i don't <laughs> I want to do it <laughs> I, so I you know at some point i'll probably do it you know knowing me but i i just haven't i've i know how to make it i've looked at the chemical formula i've looked at exactly what it takes to brew it and how to it's not difficult to get your hands on the basic constituents to put that stuff together. But, uh, you know, I don't know where, what, what, where would I go? I would have to go and I don't know, take myself out to the middle of a desert or something. I don't even know. I, I would yeah. still want, even with all of my years of experience, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I, I'm not so egotistical that I think, Oh yeah, I can handle that. I don't know. I don't know what that would, you know, I've, right. I've had the smokable stuff and that's nuts, you know, and salvia salvia is, it's, is a weird thing because salvia is a, you know, it's its own, it's a different, it's a different molecular combination than anything else, you know, like salvia is a really weird molecule when you look at it. So what it does to you is very different from really what, what mushrooms are doing, what LSD is doing. And, and you know that when you smoke salvia, you're like, well, yeah. yeah, it definitely falls into the category of a hallucinogen, but man, is that weird. I mean, yeah. that is some weird stuff. And I would say that uh, not a huge fan of salvia. I see that as a salvia is, is fun. It's interesting, but I never walked away from a salvia trip going, man, I really learned something. I never really <laughs> felt like that. At least I just felt like whatever just happened was so abstract. It was like, all right, I, you know, I don't, I felt like I was just kind of changing channels and watching insanity for like, you know, a few minutes. Right. But I've done, uh, I started with LSD. Uh, 
in fact, before I even really got high on weed or anything like that, someone, when I was around 20, some of my friends were like, Hey, we got, we've got some acid. I'm like, I didn't really know much about it. I'm like, all right, you know, give that a shot. I'd been lucid dreaming for, you know, a little while. I'm like, Oh, how crazy could it be? And, you know, so that was kind of my first, that was the first thing. So I was, it was like trial by fire. I started with LSD before anything yeah. else, but since then, see, I've done MDMA, which is not really a hallucinogen in my, uh, you know, not, not, not proper, uh, not a proper hallucinogen, but uh, um, yeah, salvia, ibogaine, uh, mescaline. I've done peyote. I've done uh, mushrooms. Of course, I used to grow mushrooms. Mushrooms are awesome. I love mushrooms. Kind of mess yeah. with my stomach a little bit, but uh, yeah. The DMT. taste is awful, but once you get them down, it's great. Oh, I could never deal with the taste. I used to dry them. I used to put them in caps. I used to dry them like, and I used to grind them up like in a coffee grinder. So I put them in gel caps. I'm like, Probably that makes solved. more sense. Yeah. Yeah. Probably Sometimes solved. I ate them in Big Macs and it still didn't taste anything. <laughs> oh, I would get <laughs> sick on that if I did that. I'd get sick on the on the yeah on the, on the McDonald's, but yeah, totally. Yeah. But yeah, I've done done quite a few. I, uh, not as much lately. I you know the idea of microdosing. I definitely you know that's kind of become very popular over the years. You hear more and more about that, and that's something oh, yeah. that when I had access when I was growing mushrooms, I had so much access to it, I could just kind of. Like, oh, well, you know, I'll just take a, a little bit of this. And I started finding, oh, that's nice too. Like, I don't have to, I don't have to go to, you know, Saturn every time, you know, I don't have to like totally lose my mind completely. Yeah. I'm like, I can just kind of do a nice kind of a mellow thing and kind of go for a hike for a few hours. And yeah, that's pretty much it. As far as I remember, I've done the major things except for like ayahuasca. That's like the main thing. Like I've never done that. Yeah, you, I mean, based on, Based on what I know about ayahuasca and DMT, you pretty much have done it. It's just, you know, you haven't had the prolonged, you right. haven't had the, the purging that, that's thing how that you feel. get from it. That's how but I feel. Yeah. Going back to what I had said about uh, mentioning Aubrey Marcus before, that was one of the things that he talked about was his uh, multiple ayahuasca experiences and that the shamans that he'd went and uh, actually did the, the ceremonies with, they essentially said that DMT, like they, they mentioned different realms. So different realm, we're talking I've about, heard about that a lot in shamanism, the idea of realms, certainly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he was essentially saying that they told him that DMT drops you off in like the fifth or the sixth dimension, <laughs> realm, whatever. I've heard that. I don't know yeah. what to make of that. Cause I mean, I've been, I've traveled to a lot of places where I'm like, this seems like a separate universe unto itself. I don't know what that means. I've never mapped it or tried to count them but i've read that right. so many times from different shamans where they're like there's like nine different realms and you can enter you know it's like okay all right i'll take yeah. your word on it that sounds great without having the experience for myself at this point also i can't really vouch or deny that right. but based on what i have experienced with like i'd said the salvia thing where it that 1000 percent felt like i was in a different dimension entirely or something or like the reality yeah. the, the layer the veil that was placed over this three-dimensional reality that we're in was like removed. Yes. And all of a sudden I was wherever the fuck I was talking to whatever I was. I like that metaphor. Um, I use that metaphor a lot in my talks. The idea that, yeah, this is absolutely like not even metaphorically, you know, when we talk about the veil, we think of that often as a metaphor. And I'm like, it's really not in many ways. Like there really is like something yeah. that is, that is when you wake up to your larger consciousness man, it is not just like some thought project, you know, it is really a real experience where you are changing perspectives and that perspective can change everything. Totally. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Veil being lifted hundred percent. Yeah. 
uh, and it's one of those things that once it happens, it's kind of hard to ever go back. It might even be impossible to go back to the way you looked or viewed things beforehand, you know, not a hundred percent, right? Like you, you've got that experience. I would, I yeah. would, I would hope, I would think that once you've had that experience, there's going to be a part of you that knows, like, I know it's out there. Maybe if you, you can try to bury it, you know, I think I've had a lot of experience with like where I just want to, like, it's too crazy. Like I've had several experiences that were so terrifying that i wasn't prepared for i'm like okay i don't even want to think about this i want to bury that underneath something but it never goes away it's like still there just going so this exists how are you gonna how are you gonna incorporate it and sometimes that's what it is you have to incorporate that experience later like i had experiences in in lucid states where i found myself in several places at once for example well that is very disturbing to have that happen without any concept of like well it doesn't it makes sense once now that I've got more of the understanding, like, oh, I'm jumping back into consciousness that is not isolated to any one perspective. So I, and, and people with near-death experiences talk about this a lot. And it's interesting because they, they skip over that part where they say, you know, I was seeing things from above my body and I was watching like the surgeons work on me, but I was also next to my body at the same time. You hear these stories a lot and they don't really know how to negotiate that. And I'm like, no, you, that's important though. Like that you can see things from multiple perspectives at the same time. And when you actually have that happen, that'll break you. That broke me a little bit because even just explaining that notion of seeing things from two different perspectives, as you, as, as the audience hears that you're, you know, the only way your brain can negotiate that is to like, think of like an overlay, you know, or maybe a split screen of like, well, I was here, I was here, but, or I can see things like, no, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking, I saw things from two fully realized perspectives, no overlay, I'm talking at the same time. And that'll just break your brain, you know? And every time I even think about the, those experiences, I'm like, I can't even really remember them properly. I know what happened. I know in my heart, of, I'm like, I, I was there. I know what happened. I saw yeah. pers- multiple perspectives at once. But again, it's because consciousness is not localized at all. It's yeah. not localized. It's not in one specific area. It's everywhere. So- the, I, I mean, to me, it's like the consciousness was just showing me, hey, guess what? You can be in several places at the same time, too. Yeah. For me, for the ego of the ego of Ian, I was like freaked out. I was like, no, <laughs> I know. Like, I just felt like, no. I, yeah, that's how it felt. Like, I felt like I broke something. I'm like, I just broke something and I've gone too far. That's right. how it felt for a while. But, you know, I was fine. It was all, I was being dramatic. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, and going back to the ego, it's completely, completely understandable why the ego would feel that way because the ego doesn't like change. It doesn't like nope. to go outside the box. It likes that warm blanket of familiarity. It doesn't yeah. like to think of itself as being, first of all, in multiple I places. Know. Cause it's like, I'm one thing. I am me. I'm one thing, damn it. And that's yeah. the ego doesn't like the idea of like, well, what do you mean I can be? In, in several places like well that sounds like you know i don't have control of that and you know it comes back to that you know yeah. you know, control thing sure yeah yeah indeed there's a million a million a million's not even the right number like a number that i can't even fathom <laughs> worthwhile experiences that a human being can have on psychedelics in the lucid dream state in the astral state and just in this three-dimensional state, like, you know, meditation, one of the things you're talking about, that's one of the great ways of being able to alter your consciousness while you're here in this dimension, you know? Yeah. Um, and I encourage as many people out there that are listening to try them all. Just fucking go out there and try them all. 
You know, don't be like Ian and have have not done math. Go do math and then fucking come back and report to me. You know? <laughs> I love it. I don't do that. Don't do math. Uh, don't just do trust math, my kids. judgment. Is you're not Stay missing off out. the math, kids. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I really appreciate talking to you, brother. This was a fascinating conversation. Um, These conversations, one of those things you could talk for hours and never get to the, you know, never get to the bottom of it. Right. That's why, that's what I'm finding with that show, this show that I'm doing. I'm like, I have, there's so much material that you could, I could literally, and I've had shows like this that have gone on for hours. And I'm like, we, we still just barely scratched the surface. We could talk about this for ever yeah <laughs> never find the end of it thanks so much though thanks that was, yeah, this is a good talk well good absolutely talk. we will absolutely do this again soon um before i let absolutely. you go everybody yes. out there go check out ian's books migration tripping the field and existential existential crisis of ungodly proportions ian do you have anything else you want what to- i do have i actually have that one on me i actually that one that one's not holding up my my uh, tripping the field i've got migration is holding up my my screen right now oh nice that's that's how much uh, respect i have for my own work and yeah go take a look at my video work that's what i think you should do that's what i think i think that's that's what i'm really excited about right now and it's all based on the book uh i mean go buy the book please i mean you know it's awesome i i think that's going to give you the whole groundwork of everything i'm talking about in these videos but uh yeah the uh yeah go check out my videos right now those are those are a lot of fun i think that's i'm really trying to like illustrate as clear as I can, as clear as you can, all these abstract talk uh, conversations. And uh, that's, that's a, that's a trick in and of itself. So Absolutely. thanks so much, man. Thank Appreciate you. you, man. We'll talk right. to you again soon. Take care. See ya.